So this is a podcast that I recorded a couple of weeks ago with a good friend of mine, Kevin Miller, and it was intended to be the first episode of this currently unnamed podcast. But unfortunately, we couldn't get it up right away because we had some troubles with the software. So I had to download some other softwares in order to get it cut together and ready to go for this release. Um, I, I created this game called The Good, The Bad, and The Meh. Um, meh is a term created by The Simpsons, spelled M-E-H. And it what it means is that, you know, sometimes stuff can be neither good or bad. Sometimes it can just be... Eh, you know, and we played that game with the comic book movies from DC and Marvel that started all the way back in 1989 with the first Batman movie. And we actually ended up talking for over two and a half hours. So this is actually going to be part one. I had to split it into two parts. So part one will be released on March 8th and the week after March 14th or 15th, I'll release part two. But for now, this is part one, and we played the good, the bad, and the meh with the comic book movies that were created by DC and Marvel. And part one starts now. Miller, say hello to the three people listening. Hello, everyone. I am the Miller. All right. Here we go. Well, if Kevin Miller is on, that means we're going to be talking comic books. Not not that I don't also like food. Yep. Who doesn't? (laughs) Everybody loves food. Um... So today we are going to be talking about comic books, like I said, and specifically comic book movies, because what I have done, Miller, is I have gone back and I have created a list of Uh every movie that Marvel and DC has made since, well, I started at an arbitrary point for each one, and we'll get to that in a minute, but we are going to discuss these movies, and if we have disagreements, we can obviously debate those out Hmm, okay but um i have categorized all of the dc and marvel movies into three categories the good the bad and the meh or the (laughs) so this this will be hopefully a segment that exists for many many years the good the bad and the meh so i went back and i did a little research on both of these mostly using Wikipedia and the fact that I've seen damn near all of these movies. And I found arbitrary starting points for both. Mm -hmm. And I decided to choose from Marvel. We are going to start from 1998 because Marvel did in fact start movies. Like technically the first Marvel movie ever produced was not counting like a 1990, 1944, actually Captain America. Technically the first Marvel movie. Can you guess what that was? Oh, I don't know. I would have guessed probably a Captain America one. Yeah, there was a 1944 Captain America, but technically the first Marvel movie ever produced was the 1986 Howard the Duck. Uh, yes, of course. I am not going to spend as much time talking about Howard the Duck as <laughs> most people would like us to. <laughs> well, so, <laughs> for the Marvel movies, I decided to start in 1998. For mm-hmm. them. So, we will not be counting the 1989 Dolph Lundgren Punisher Oh, yeah. Wow. Yes, that was a thing. We will not be counting the 1990 Captain America uh, fiasco that existed from 21st Century Films, and we will not be counting the 1994 Fantastic Four from Constantine Films production, production spelt, no joke, with a K. Um, Better than an X. Yeah. So the reason I'm not counting those is because those movies were studio grabs. They were production grabs. For those of you listening who don't know, basically what happens is the studios buy all of the rights to these comic book movies. Now, so that they can't do something like they did in the third season of Entourage, where the exec just buys it so that they can have the rights and throw it in a drawer and never to use it, they give these, uh, I guess, times, kind of like contract, like they give contracts to sports you know, to athletes where they, mm-hmm. you know, you're signed to this team for five years. So basically if a studio buys the rights to Captain America or like Constantine films did with the fantastic four movie, they need to do something with it. Exactly. They have to do something with it and they have like a five or 10 year window to do something with it. And if they don't, then they lose the rights to the characters. And that's exactly what happened with the ultra terrible 1994 fantastic four movie that, 
they basically slapped together and shot in a month with no knowledge of the comics. And basically it was just, Hey, we've got to get a movie out there with the fantastic four. Otherwise we're going to lose the rights to it. I've heard like third hand stories of like the actors in that movie being at conventions and stuff like that. And they're like, you know, our movie had a lot of heart and like they're trying to defend it. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm sure they're defending it in a, to quote Jalen Rose on the grand line network to, in an effort for them to keep getting them checks. So I'm sure it doesn't hurt, yeah. No, why not? So I decided to start the Marvel in 1998. And as for the DC Comics, DC had, you know, like DC got everything started in 66 with the Adam West show, and they ended up did a, doing a movie for the for the Batman 1966. I need to see that movie at some point. I've I've seen a couple scenes. It looks terrible and amazing oh it's it's exactly like i've been like they recently put like a couple months ago batman 66 onto like they digitized it and it's all on dvds and stuff and i of course bought it the day it came out and i of course i'm in the middle of season two right now and it is as ruining awesome. all of our big christmas plans for uh, all of your friends i'm yes, sure of course holy <laughs> <laughs> damn it and it is exactly as awesome and as terrible as i remember it being and you get this, uh, the thing that I, I noticed most about Batman 66 is I went into that watching and you know hey it's the 60s it's a different era people were treated differently and unfairly and to be perfectly honest black people don't get it that bad in the Batman I mean they're few and far between and you can easily pick them out of the lineup but <laughs> like a lot of them are playing like journalists like they'll be asking you know Batman you know how are you going to beat the penguin Batman and whatnot and <laughs> yeah. and sometimes in certain cases they're scientists but the, I was going to ask any cops yeah a few cops but the minorities that get it or the minority that gets it the worst although I guess they're not really a minority is are females <laughs> <laughs> females are just torn to shreds like they, they always have like dumb you know it'll be like like the penguin will be robbing something and he'll have like his hen his you know two or three henchmen and then the one hench woman and the hench woman will just be like oh you know what are we gonna do today pinky and stuff like that and she'll be like barely wearing any clothes and they, they give them like terrible names like like oh god one time they I, there was just some made-up terrible villain that they had and the female was named like her name was literally legs like they named her legs and she oh, ran okay. around in like daisy dukes of course it was terrible so we're not going to count the batman 66 movie into this and i know this will probably upset a few people but we're not going to count the chris reeves era superman as fun as those movies are i mean the first three are great superman one two and three i mean they were a product of the 70s and the 80s <laughs> and you know chris reeves and we did see the greatest moment in the history of cinema when superman transforms into the movie or transform when he trans when he goes through the uh the phone when he comes out the phone booth for the first time uh -huh. and is immediately met by one of the most racist character stereotypes in the history of comics which is a black guy dressed as a pimp next to a Cadillac oh, wow. I completely with that. two hookers next to him who immediately looks at <laughs> superman and goes Woo! St. Jim! That's a bad outfit! Woo! I guess I blocked that memory. <laughs> uh, it's the greatest moment in the history of cinema. So, yeah, we're also not going to count the 1984 Helen Slater Supergirl, which is, you know, considered one of the worst movies of all time, and they followed it up. Warner Brothers followed that movie, that monstrosity, up three years later with the 1987 Superman Quest for Peace that, mm -hmm. you know, destroyed everything. We will be starting for DC in 1989 with the Tim Burton Batman. And that is where we are about to begin our journey of figuring out the good, the bad, and the mat. So first up, 1989, Batman, Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, who did not get top billing over Jack Nicholson, by the way, in that movie. No. Um, I have that labeled as a good movie. What say you? It's been years. Oh, geez. Um, I, I err on the side of good as well, but uh, certainly not in my top five Batman movies. I'd say. Um, to, uh, I don't know. I, like to me, I, like I have it as a good movie. Like uh -huh. if you go back and watch it, which I did recently, it's not a Batman movie. Like the title should actually be Joker. 
I've, I've somebody broke down the the time that like each character like as Jack Nicholson spends on frame and right the time that Michael Keaton spends on frame and I you know Jack Nicholson and the Joker are on screen for I think like ten minutes more than the titular character Batman and it has a lot of un Batman moments in it but. You know, like at a certain point, Batman actually kills a dude by throwing him down the uh, right, down, yeah. down the middle of a thing. It, you know, down the middle, like when they're fighting the, at the the clock tower, the bell mm-hmm. tower at the end. Batman actually, who actually like the guy like starts beating Batman's ass, and then Batman like hits him on the head with a bell and throws him down the you know the middle of the spiral staircase where right, he just falls yeah. into the abyss and is never seen again. Um, having rewatched this, I like I remember it a lot differently as a child. Obviously it was, you know, one of the first Batman movies that I'd ever seen. It's the first Batman movie that ever came out. Uh-huh. And it's a tough sit. <laughs> like if you were to rewatch that. Yeah. Like I was saying, I, it's been a long time since I've watched it. I don't remember uh, everything about it and I kind of don't feel like rewatching it. <laughs> uh, I, I would definitely take it over, uh, you know, Batman Returns, but it's oh yeah, which you know, great segue because <laughs> yeah. the next movie on the list is 1992 Batman Returns. Michelle Pfeiffer added to the cast. Danny DeVito comes in as the Penguin, and of course, we all remember everyone's favorite Max Shrek. <laughs> Completely made up for this movie. Max Shrek, played by Christopher Walken, a man who can't be beat or put oh, down. Man. But this movie certainly tried to put down <laughs> Batman Returns. Um, I have this labeled as a bad movie. Yeah, it's got some redeeming factors in my head, which is to say I don't like any of the direction they took, but damn if Danny DeVito didn't lean into it. Oh, oh everybody, except for actually Walken, of all people, didn't really. Like, I rewatched that one again because I was listening to, um, I recently discovered Kevin Smith's Fat Man on Batman podcast, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and him and Mark Bernardin do a commentary track where you just, you know, plug it in and, you know, line it up with the film. Sync up the DVD. Sync up the DVD and and you line it up with the film. And it's just, like, and re-watching it, there's no plot to the movie. Like, there's no reason that Batman or Cat, or, like, Penguin or Catwoman, like, have anything to do with Batman. Like, they just, and there's no reason for them to come together. Like, they don't even really have, like, the big difference between... The, the, the Burton Schumacher era Batmans and the Nolan era Batmans is uh-huh. the, the, the Nolan era. The bad guys have a plan. Like, they, like they're like, we're going to do this and we're going to blow stuff up. And I'm, and I'm like, I'm doing this. And Rachel Gould is, is saying, I'm going to put a, you know, I'm going to terrorize Gotham or destroy it and rebuild it from the ashes because it's too corrupt. Whereas like, uh-huh. like, the penguin in this movie, Chris Walken just kind of goes like, Hey, do you want to run from air? And he's like, sure. <laughs> I, gu- and, I guess. And <laughs> I'm glad someone asked. Yeah. And it's like, Oh my God, it was so I bad. I didn't know what I was going to do for the next hour and a half. Oh, like it was so, and like Catwoman basically comes to life because Chris Walken. So like if the Chris Walken character, which was made up for this film mm-hmm. doesn't exist, then penguin and Catwoman have no direction. Because if you remember Catwoman becomes Catwoman in that movie, because he, Chris Walken tosses her out a window. Right. She falls to her death, and then some mm-hmm. magical cats bring her back to life by biting her fingers. Just <laughs> awful. So, yeah, no, that is a bad. It, it's a, I think, a more fun movie to watch. Um, it's definitely you know have some beers with your friends, sit down, watch it, and just laugh your balls off. But <laughs> yeah, like. Like it, it was like for some reason they went very like religious with it too, or like the penguins. That's right. Yeah, there were a bunch of scenes in churches and stuff like that, as I recall. Scenes in churches, and like the first ten minutes of the film, you're watching like like Pee Wee Herman throws like it shows like old like Pee Wee Herman is supposed to be Oswald Cobblepot's dad in that, and he has like a mutant baby, and they throw the baby in the sewer, and then mm-hmm. he was like raised by penguins in the sewer or something. It, it, oh, God, it was terrible. Like, <laughs> not very concerned with where it was going. And I remember as a kid, and I will, like, like I'll never admit this, and if you ask me about it in real life, I'll deny it. Cool, but, and yet we have it recorded here. Yep, when I, when I was a kid, I used to think Batman Returns was better than Batman. 
Well, I think we all had that moment. I, I, I'm not the guy to comment on this, but I think a lot of people were um, like Ghostbusters 2 apologists. And certainly I was a Matrix sequel apologist for a while. Oh, I hated Matrix sequels. I really was into them because I was also really into Dragon Ball at the time, and it was straight-up anime. Yeah, they really went there. <laughs> so, Batman Returns, bad movie. Which brings us to the next comic book movie, Batman Forever. Joel Schumacher, Tim Burton, to takes a producer credit to... You know, to keep getting them checks and uh, turns the reins over to the capable hands of Joel Schumacher for uh, Batman Forever, the Riddler. They bring in Tom, they they tell Billy D. Williams, no, you do not get to play Two-Face. And they bring in Tommy Lee Jones. I have this listed, and I feel like this is going to be our first shocker. I have this listed in the eh, meh category. And or I think, you think that most people would classify it as a pretty strong bad? Yeah, as as uh, yeah, if you were going to do a subcategory to bad, it would be you know capital B A D bad. I um, see. Yeah, of this era, this is the one that I have never seen. Yeah, I actually never saw Batman Forever, so you know <laughs> it'll be easy for us to talk about it then. No, absolutely. I'm sure that you've got your theories, and I'll just <laughs> agree well, with you where I can. But I've I've seen clips, I've seen commercials, and I was like, no. <laughs> I mean, it's not good. Like, it's definitely not good. But I, I think to call it bad would be a mistake, specifically for this reason. It's about Batman. Oh, finally. Yeah, like, we finally have a movie that is about Batman. Because, um, like, the first two, like I said, the Joker was on screen more. Burton was just... Like, you could tell in the first two that Burton is just mo- more focused on the villains it's you know he's there he's talking like the joker's on screen the joker gets all the big hero shots he gets all the big moments and stuff you know he gets all the best lines you know like you know where do you get those wonderful toys and And then i I can't remember who it was i wish i could give them credit um uh, somebody broke down the amount of time in Batman Returns and the villains are on screen for like an hour and two minutes of the movie and Batman's only on the screen for like 30 minutes. Wow. So actually, yeah, that's entirely within my recollection of that. Yeah. So for Batman forever, like Val Kilmer comes in and I thought he, I thought he, you know, was good as Bruce Wayne. Like I'll give uh, Val Kilmer credit there. I mean, in the suit or whatever, it was, you know, Joel Schumacher putting nipples on the bat suit and other. Sure. Just nonsense. Um, we don't need so, to get too hung you know, up. You guys, Jim, Jim Carrey doesn't do, like, the Riddler that we all know and love now, where he's, like, you know, saw and kind of a, like, you know, a mind crime guy. Yeah, and, he's a sociopath. Yeah, where he's a sociopath. You know, he, he's doing the Frank Gershon 1960s, where he's, like, you know, in the... Jumpsuit. Jumpsuits and jumping around wearing bowler hats and stuff. And Which, you know, if you're bringing Jim Carrey in to play that character in 1995, that's... You're doing you, it with a good reason, yeah. Yeah, that's why you do that. Um, so I'm giving it a meh just cause it's about Batman and Tommy Lee Jones is performance as two faces. I, I've said this before. It was like, he was very good as Harvey Dent. Uh, okay. Yep. Unfortunately, Harvey Dent is only in the movie for 10 seconds. At the beginning of the film, and so really, he, is it that little? Yeah, because basically, what happens is he goes like they they do this th- they do this uh, thing at the beginning of the movie where they 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 hold the reveal to you only see the Harvey Dent side of the Two Face, and it shows him like in the shadows, and Two Face is flicking the coin, and he's you know giving this nice like speech about duality and, and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, which is everything you want from the character. Yep, and then at a certain point, he. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, you know, screams, you know, like lock. And then he turns his face and you see the two face part. And then once he does that and turns and you see the two face, he's no longer two face. He's Tommy Lee Jones playing his version of the Joker, basically, because he was just like, because they never brought Harvey Dent back and then the, did the duality of the character. Right. And it was and just it was, the one side. Yeah. And it was just him going, woohoo, I'm crazy. And I'm like, no, <laughs> Ah, oh, just it wasn't great. And speaking of not great, 
Batman and Robin, 1997, our next movie on the list. We still haven't. We're still yet to get to a Marvel movie. We are now in 1997, and we haven't yet to mention a Marvel movie. movie so often. Batman and Robin was the one that I would continuously go back to as a kid. <laughs> and how do you feel about that? Um, well, I mean, now I've got the the advantages of my adulthood to go, wow, that movie was... Um, it's a bad movie. I'll say bad. But it was, again, goofy and a lot of fun. And it is something. like It was, it was pulpy and lighthearted enough that you could watch it literally every day if you were into it. Yeah, like I, I have it as bad. And to go back to the mentions of the sub category of B A D, you know, capital B A D bad. Mm-hmm. Um, not good. <laughs> it's just not good. Like they went. Full I'm actually sh- gonna give it a math. I think you're giving it. Oh wow, that's. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. Um, it's... I, it's not that I think it's good by a long shot, but uh, it it was certainly you could. I, I think that everyone was having a good time making that movie. Uh, you, you can like I rewatched it because uh, Kevin Smith again did another one of his commentaries with Mark Bernard, and it actually came out last week. So this movie mm-hmm. is fresh in my dome piece, and holy hell. <laughs> Like, well, and it's and just, I think more of a nostalgia thing too because I definitely have a lot of fun quoting that movie even now. Oh yeah, like the nostalgia factor is fun. Like it's a great movie to play a drinking game too. Yes, absolutely. But on oh, its own, on its own merits, then yes, right. I will totally agree with you. If I'm not colored by nostalgia, if I'm not half in the bag, yes, it is a bad movie. Oh, like and like everybody is terrible in it, and like you can tell, like in rewatching it, you, you can tell they did a lot of like recuts and stuff like and and uh, like i was watching this movie going like there's no way they did more than one take of each shot right like there's no way schumacher was sitting there going like arnold i need more i need more passion man like you got to give me my like i don't feel like you really want your wife to not be frozen anymore (laughs) that was not a thing on this oh god just everything about batman and robin like they just they turned up the camp like well, it was. It was Batman 66, the reboot. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And like, I had, like, the costume tension and, and, you know, every single pose that Uma Thurman had was completely exaggerated. Yeah, and, like, the hairstyles, and they, they just, they and, like, I'm not, like, Uma Thurman didn't know anything about comic books, so she didn't know what the hell to do, right? Well, sure. And, but, I mean, that's what a director is for. But, I mean, like, as a Canadian, and as a Canadian who likes both sports and comics... If I see Batman with a hockey stick, I should like this should be the greatest movie of all time in my eyes, shouldn't it? Uh, I don't know. If, <laughs> no, you can't really thread that needle. <laughs> with like the, as I recall, he pushes a button on his shoes and ice blades pop out, and he's like, "Yes, now I can skate." Yeah, and then he never did that again when he could have easily used it to, I don't know, like sever some of the bad guys' tendons or something when he was yeah, like, like, you know, the real bat, like the Batman we have now would do. Yeah, of course, because so, if we know anything about Batman, he doesn't kill anyone. He just puts them in the hospital for the rest of their lives. Which some would say is actually much worse. <laughs> yeah, some would, yes. <laughs> I think most would. Um, if I told you that Batman and Robin wasn't the only movie that Warner Brothers released that year, would you be surprised? A little surprised, yes. Because uh, they, they doubled up after Batman and Robin. They, 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 they got the big checks. something? They got the big checks from Batman and Rob or from Batman Forever, and they turned the camp up real good with Batman and Robin, and they decided to double up in 1997 with Steel. Oh, that's right. Yes, there was, in fact, a Steel movie starring Shaquille O'Neal, where Shaquille O'Neal gets in there and plays a DC character beloved by you and me. John Henry Irons. Steel's such a good character. Uh, I feel like they could do that movie so much better now. Oh, yes. they could. Well, in, in, and even in, then. In a world where we have a really good Iron Man movie, in a mo- world where the Guardians of the Galaxy became a really good film. I thank God for Guardians of the Galaxy for letting the world know that they could make comic book movies out of unknown characters. And make them awesome. Yeah. Like, the stupidest premise, and make it an incredible movie. And was the nothing like the characters in the... Like, basically, all they did from Guardians of the Galaxy was they took the characters. Like, they took Star-Lord, mm-hmm. they took Groot, and they took Rocket. 
and they were like, all right, now let's make them these, this kind of like the dirty dozens, but in space. Sure. And it worked because in the comics, they're actually just like a police force. Like the guardians of the galaxy are an actual like space police force. And they, oh, okay. uh, they go around from like, like, but it's still Groot and those guys, but they've all got like, you know, t- like space police uniforms and they run around and they take people down. Um, yeah, I remember seeing Steel as a child, specifically because Shaq was in it. Same reason I saw Kazam. I was going to say, did this come up before or after Kazam? Because I, I know I was burned by Kazam. <laughs> I am going to look that up right now. I'm actually typing in. <laughs> Kazam came out in 1996, 96. so yeah. Shaq is hot off of his Kazam. So I saw Kazan and was burned, and then I saw Shaq as, as Steel, and I so, didn't recognize Steel as a DC character, so I'm like, I am not interested in seeing this. <laughs> so Shaq loses the 1995 NBA title <laughs> to the Houston Rockets, and his only... and decides he's just going to rebound from that devastating sweep at the hands of the Houston Rockets, which is actually a devastating series because they blew that game one and goes right into the films. You know, like he, he has a couple lull years before he gets, he, he's got a few, he's got a, a small window of lull years here before he gets to the Los Angeles Lakers and Shaq starts personally tearing my heart out by, you know, carrying Kobe to three titles. Oh, wow. And during that time, he fills it with Kazam and Steel. And honestly, the only thing I remember about Steel is if you thought the puns in Batman and Robin were bad, (laughs) the one scene I remember from Steel is Shaq hits a guy as John Henry Irons with the hammer that we all know and love and goes... Because remember, rap music was big in 1997. Shaq also had his rap career going on. Can I can I guess? Is it is it as simple as I think it's going to be? Go right ahead and guess. It's hammer time. Absolutely. He mm-hmm. hits a guy and he goes, "It's hammer time" in the Shaq voice. And oh 1997 was so bad with the Batman and Robin and Steel movies, Miller, <laughs> that Warner Brothers is out of the comic book game. For seven years. So we're going to switch over. Like the poison of Batman. Batman and Robin and Steel. Is so bad. That Warner Brothers just says. They dust their hands of it. They're out. And 1998 hits. And this is the moment when Marvel decides to just. Dip a toe. If you will. Into the comic book movie waters. And they come out strong. With Wesley Snipes. As Blade. As Blade. Yep. Blade 1 comes out. I have Blade listed as a eh movie. What say you? Uh, my issue is I've seen, I think, all of the Blade movies once, and I tend to get them conflated. Like, I think I marathoned them one day, and I just I can't separate one from the other. I well, can't remember what happens in each one. If I can refresh your memory, Blade mm-hmm. 1, uh, we basically get the origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven Dorff plays Deacon Frost in what I am thinking is the worst bad guy performance of all time. And I'm including Schwarzenegger and Uma Thurman in Batman and Robin when I say that, because, you know, Schwarzenegger and Th- Uma Thurman were bad, mm-hmm. but at least they made choices. I suppose. You know, they made wrong choices, but they were like, we're going to play it big and we're going to be silly. But they had agency. They had agency. Like, they they were doing something. They were trying to bring something to the table. Blade, Steven Dorff, is doing nothing. Like, he's literally just going like, these people are our food. We should be killing these people, you know? And I'm just like, oh, my God. He was terrible in it. But I give Blade a meh because... We needed the stink of Batman and Robin as comic book fans washed over us, and I feel like Blade was able to accomplish that. So for oh, ancillary for ancillary reasons, I'm giving Blade a meh, and I really enjoy the scene at the beginning where they had the Blood Rave set to the fat bass by the Wolf Brothers. I was going to ask, was that the uh, Blood Rave one? I, I thought that was the sequel. <laughs> no, that's well, they probably did it more than one. It's been a while since <laughs> it's I've a seen. constant Blood Rave. Yeah, constant Blood Rave. When will um, they learn? The first one. Played very good. Um, 
you know, Snipes is there. It's pre-jail Wesley Snipes, uh, right after de- coming after dem- off Demolition Man. Why couldn't we have got Snipes as uh, Steel? <laughs> I, I, why can't we now? What's stopping us now from getting Wesley Snipes in as Steel? If we're, if we're doing it now, I want Danny Glover as Steel. <laughs> Danny Glover as Steel? Maybe. He'd be too goofy. They want to give him... They, oh, like, sorry, sorry. Donald Glover. <laughs> Donald Glover, yeah, sorry. Donald Glover. It's, it's Wait, all do prep, I have those mixed it's up? All prep oh, for, it's all prep for Donald Glover to get the uh, next Spider-Man, but not the... Peter Parker Spider-Man, the Miles Morales Spider-Man, like the Black Spider-Man. I'd be down. Um, yeah, I, the entire internet's down. The only one who's not down is the studio, apparently. Yeah, well. Um, so, well, I, I need you to grade Blade. 1998, Wesley Snipes. Uh, I'll, I'll settle on that as well. It, yeah. it was very spotty, as I recall. Like, yes, there were some decent um, performances, but they were in a minefield of just... Missing ones, like, like like you said, completely absent performances. <laughs> yeah, just... Like, I, I, I don't know. I kind of like it. So anyway, again, because DC is in the middle of their hiatus, thinking nobody ever wants to watch comic book movies ever, Marvel uh-huh. comes out strong in the year 2000. It's a new millennium. Uh-huh. It's a new age. Yep. A Aquarius, silver age, maybe, if you will. Of, of, I was going to say the age of Aquarius, but okay. Comic book movies. And... <laughs> Fox comes out, Fox, 20th Century Fox, they make their, their pardon me, they make their debut with X-Men. X-Men. The very first one, uh-huh. Hugh Jackman comes out as Wolverine. They got a... A role that he maintains to this day. <laughs> yeah, a role that he maintains 15 years later in 2015 and will likely maintain until it becomes unprofitable. Uh-huh. Um... I this is a meh. I like this movie. I really do. I, I think that uh, at worst you have decent performances, and at best Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen just kill it. Yes, that's they're good. It's just the, the reason I'm giving it a meh is because I'm reserving my good for the sequel, which we will get to later. But this one, well, that's it's, fair. I mean, we've only got three points that we can land on. <laughs> that's true. And I was initially just going to do it good and bad, but like, you just can't give some movies like this. X-Men does not deserve to be called a bad movie, but it doesn't no, deserve no, no. to be called a good movie either, which is why well, it's not, it's the, not excellent. I think it's, it's, it's a fun, good movie. Yeah. The, the eh category. Mm-hmm. Um, like it has its strong points. I mean, the end fight, was ludicrous. Yeah, very ludicrous. And not only that, but like if if like you rewatch it, it like takes place and like you can clearly tell that they they probably ran out of money towards the end because they're like having their fight in a uh like they're clearly on a on a set. <laughs> oh, is, yeah. yeah, like dude and like they, they basically had to build half a set for Statue of Liberty. And then and, and like the but like Ian McKellen's great, Patrick Stewart's great. You should have killed me when you had the chance, Charles. Yeah, just great stuff. Although that was in the second one, which we haven't got to yet. Uh, but was it? I yeah. thought it was when uh, Sabretooth skin and the Strangle outside the bank or outside mm. the train station. No, it happens in in X two when he's in the the plastic bubble prison. Oh man, maybe that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Oh, you know what I was thinking? It was uh, I don't think I can stop them all, Charles. Yeah, that was it. Oh man, he has so many moments where he just ends the sentence, threatens him, and then says, "Charles." Yep. Um, with, yeah, the, with like, the most gravitas. <laughs> very much so. Uh, but yeah, but getting those two guys on screen at once was obviously the biggest accomplishment for this particular film. Oh, absolutely. So then we get two years off. 2001 did not produce any comic book movies, but 2002, they decide they're going to come out strong, and Blade Two hits the... His theaters, Wesley Snipes is back, but uh-huh. uh, since Stephen Dorff is box office poison, they decide to replace him with Ron Perlman. Oh boy! Yeah, who comes in as nameless guy, white guy who looks bigger than Wesley Snipes, that they can <laughs> have him try to pose a threat to Wesley. Yeah, Snipes. that's that's Ron Perlman, all right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Ron Perlman. Uh, well before he uh, was really good on Sons of Anarchy, I have played to. There's no escaping. It's a terrible film. It's not good. Like, just the whole plot of... Uh, well, I'll let you give your grade, and then I'll get into it. Yeah, it's no. <laughs> it's a no. No. It's, it's a don't. It's terrible. Like, just terrible. Like, the plot was like, they were breeding vampires with 
some ancient thing and they were turning him and they gave him like weird like alien mouths and stuff it just it was terrible it wasn't good mm-hmm. it didn't even have a good sequence in it that you could kind of like point to and well i guess other than when wesley snipes just slapped ron perlman in the face <laughs> yeah that, I'm, like I'm... there was nothing good about it. like there wasn't even a sequence you could point to where you're like hey that's really cool and that's why i'm watching this movie like blade 2 was sliding scale yeah, it didn't have the uh, the kind of joy that you would like to have in a sequel like that. Where you're like, all right, that's why I came to the theater today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that it, scene. It just it didn't have anything going for it. But a movie that had a lot going for it was the other movie. A lot of hype and a lot of gravitas behind this one. I remember seeing the the preview for the the, the trailer that ended up getting pulled because it had the unfortunately. Had the 9-11 towers in the background in an awesome sequence. Tobey Maguire comes out, 1992, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yep. This one's divisive, I think. I think it can be. Um, I, I I like it, I think. I think I aim somewhere just above Matt into the good category. You're giving it a good... I have it as a Matt. I have it as a mad too, but I think it's if I had a, a, a more discrete scale where it wasn't just three options, I would give it slightly above a mad. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it, it can't. It scratched an itch. It mm-hmm. absolutely scratched an itch. That's I'm what, actually that's surprised that Marvel didn't jump into a Spider-Man immediately. Like it seems like Spider-Man is their most marketable well, I didn't property. They, they didn't really have the technology. Like like Spider-Man is only I think three years removed because I think Matrix came out in 1999 and the Matrix yeah. 98. Okay, yep. the Matrix came out in 98. And the Matrix is the movie that digitally that's when S started to take off. And that was when they, they started realizing, hey, we can actually, you know, if we oh, put sorry, it... sorry, you're right, it is 99. Oh, it was 99? Okay, good. Yep. So if we put it in the hands of people who are capable of it, we can, you know, get some some good stuff. And mm-hmm. so, like, Matrix is obviously, like, honestly, like, they should do, like, like they, you know how they have, like, you know, BC and AD? They should have, like, you know, before Matrix and after Matrix, because <laughs> that movie honestly changed. Game changer. It was a game changer for the entire movie industry. It really mm-hmm. was. And... It was so like like if we didn't get the, like like if I told you that Batman and Robin came out two years before the Matrix like like it was like the Matrix was two years away and you think about the fight scenes in Batman and Robin and then the fight scenes in the Matrix. No, and, and, just, and maybe my uh, sense of time in my childhood was you know it dilates strangely. I don't remember things exactly when they took place, but I would have guessed that uh, Batman and Robin came out earlier in the nineties. Like, I would have figured, like, 94. Yeah, like, if we came in cold and I just asked you what, you know, year Batman or Robin came in, you would have probably said, like, 94, 95, and... Yeah, but, I mean, maybe I'm also trying to justify it because a seven-year-old version of myself would have an easier time explaining why he likes that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I have Spider-Man as a Matt, and, and I have it as a Matt because, like I said, it scratched a niche. Um, like, Tobey Maguire was okay, but, like, they were still... There's still a lot of the elements of we're figuring junk out. Like, we're trying to figure everything out as to how we get comic book movies to work. Because they were like, do we try it with the masks on? Do we try it with the masks off and stuff like that? And, like, because like, Willem Dafoe in that movie looks scary Incredible. enough yeah. <laughs> without the mask. And there was no reason to put him in, like, that plastic mess that they put him in. Like, they could have just mm-hmm. put, like, some makeup on him or something and let him just look creepy yeah. as like a Willem Dafoe goblin. So I thought that was an interesting choice, but like it was good. All I remember about this was just going, you know, I just, when I went to go see this, I had my fingers crossed hoping that they don't suck. And to give an indication of how much I anticipated this movie, uh, we all had tickets to that, the Boston Celtics. And if you know Uh-oh. anything about Matt Pierce, <laughs> if he misses a Boston Celtics playoff game for something, it's got to be big. There's and a damn I, good reason. Yeah, I missed a game five against Allen Iverson and the, like a winner go home because back then uh, the first round of the NBA playoffs was best of five. So it was a winner mm-hmm. go home. And the Celtics had Allen Iverson come to town, who was one of the probably the scariest player in the game outside of Shaq. And the one Spider-Man was over and I, the entire time I was thinking, you know, like just for the Spider-Man movie, just don't suck, please don't suck. Don't be Batman and Robin. And it didn't, it was good. And, uh, I got home and I found out that the Celtics had won by like 40 points. So it was a good day for me that day. (laughs) Good day. So 
2003, we step into the year 2003, Marvel produces three movies. They come out hot. Like they, they, They're coming out hot after the mm-hmm. juice that they got from Spider-Man, so they, they order three more flicks. They go up and down this year. I'm going to start it off. We're going to start with the, with a movie that I have labeled as good and one of my favorite comic book movies, which is the second X-Men movie, X2. I Absolutely. Yeah. I will agree 100%. Do you care to elaborate? Uh, um, in specifics, I mean, it was, uh, I don't know, more of the same, but also with more characters that I liked in a very simple way. I It had Nightcrawler in it, it had that awesome sequence with Nightcrawler at the very beginning in the White House. Very good. Um, what else? Uh, I It had some awesome Magneto scenes, that I recall. Um, and it was downright creepy with uh, Stryker and his son. Yeah, like it, like, it was. It, it had a lot of. I don't know. I, I liked it, and I liked that there was the kids, and they were starting to grow up a bit, and they were starting to question whether any of this was a good thing, or whether they should be ashamed of it, or whether they should lean into it. Yeah, yeah. They they started to actually get into the um, X Men universe, where because like the thing that's weird about the X Men universe is. If, like for some reason they exist in the same world as Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four and right. those people for whatever reason aren't hated by the public but the yeah. X-Men are discriminated against like mm-hmm. like they never really explain that but we it's one of those comic book things where you're like whatever just go with it mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of it and yeah they really got into it Brian Cox steals this movie though as William Stryker he oh, is absolutely. effing fantastic in that movie and That's right, because there was the awesome scene at the uh, house too when it gets raided. Yes, oh, like oh, just excellent movie. Like part of it, like it was mostly shot in Canada. Parts of the movie actually take place in Canada. You know, you mm-hmm. get to do the Wolverine journey. Kelly Hu came in as uh, Lady Deathstrike, and they had that fun sequence where they were just slicing oh, yeah. the crap out of each other. Nobody said I'm the Juggernaut, bitch. So it was... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> excellent film. Uh, yeah. So oh, it was a good one. I actually should watch that again. It's they been a long time. So Marvel comes out strong in 2003 with the X2. And what do they do? They followed up one of my personal favorites. They put Ben Affleck in the cape and cow or in the cowl, the oh, cowl and yeah. Billy club of daredevil. Oh yeah. This, I forgot about this. Yep. It was a thing that existed. Bad, bad, just bad. Capital B A D, bad. Terrible movie. Everything about it. Like, if I'm trying to think of stuff that they like, while I was doing my research for this, I was trying to think of like, you know, what did they get right in this movie? What did they get wrong mm-hmm. in this movie? The only thing they got right was Ben Affleck looked all right in a costume. Mm-hmm. I think that was that was it. Like Ben Affleck was a semi semi muscular white guy. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It was like. And, like, Ben Affleck is doing stuff in that movie. He's making choices. Stuff's mm-hmm. happening. But, like, just... I'm, like... I don't know if I want to blame Ben Affleck for this one. It was a terrible script. Like I don't just, know if I actually finished that movie. I think I turned it off. No reason to. But, like, they really messed up the... The, the kingpin in that one. Uh, getting him to be played by Michael Clark Duncan, who was right, awesome. Yeah. May he rest in peace. He was not awesome in this film, but... Mm-hmm. Um... And, like, I understand why they were, like, because they, like, they were, like, we've got to get a guy who looks big and threatening. And Michael Clark Duncan is a, was a giant man and looked big and threatening. But uh-huh. you never, like, Michael Clark Duncan, you never for a second in that movie bought him as a guy who would be willing to murder and pillage in yeah. order to get his way to the top of the underworld. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't. So Daredevil's a flop. Yep, agreed. <laughs> and Marvel gets right back up on that horse and comes out 2003, same year. The Hulk, but not the good Hulk, the Ang Lee Hulk, the crappy CGI, the one that the one that ruined Ang Lee's mm-hmm. career so much to the point that he had to make the most <laughs> Oscar Beatty movie of all time about gay cowboys in order for the Academy to forgive him again. Just, just a bad movie. Like, like Daredevil, Hulk, two thousand three. Like, they came out with X two, one of the best comic book movies of all time. Followed it up with Daredevil and Hulk. So, I don't know if you were to grade Marvel's two thousand, like, like, just give it like a like a letter grade. What would you grade Marvel's two thousand three? 
<laughs> needs improvement. Um, <laughs> but like with a letter grade, like like I'm I'm thinking like. C minus, I expected more. C minus, you well, can do better than I this. Just, just editing three. Class. Like I was, I was debating between. I was like, it's got to be a B minus because X two is really good, and then I was like, no, they released Hulk and Daredevil. They shouldn't be getting a B. So I was thinking like, I don't know, a C. C minus sounds about right. Definitely because well, C minus strikes me as the Hulk. this is a warning. Get your shit together. <laughs> yeah, and get their S together. They did because they came out in two thousand four with Spider Man two. Uh, yeah, my favorite of the Spider-Man trilogy. Excellent um, movie. Absolutely, and Alfred okay. Molina kind of killed it. Yes, he did. But unfortunately, the bad guy had to die at the end, because for some reason, they had in their heads with all these movies that the bad guy had to die at the end. Because, like, cause, like uh, other than Loki in the, in the new versions of the Avengers and whatnot, has there been a bad guy that they've used in more than one film without, like, a hard reboot? Like off the top of your dome, off the top of your dome piece, can you remember anything other than other than uh, Tom Hiddleston's Loki? Uh, well, um, what's his name? Zola, in a sense. Um, yeah. And I guess Magneto too. Actually, now that I think about it, yeah. Like there are minor ones, and certainly, like, if it's an important enough character, they don't feel strong enough. Just straight up killing them. Yeah, um, but like if a Thor, if a Thor movie came out in nineteen ninety or in like in two thousand two or anywhere between like the 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 late nineties and the early two thousands, like Lo- like Thor would have killed Loki at the end of it, mm-hmm. like eh. either purposely or, or on purposely, but which I don't think on purposely is a word, but whatever. Um, uh, just, that doesn't strike me as a Thor thing to do, right? No, I but mean, like Batman throwing guys down, you know, outside of buildings and sticking dynamite in their pants and punching them in the face only to fall down a sewer and blow up and die. Sure, that wasn't Batman's thing either, but it happened in movies. Well, I don't know how much thought is going into the decision to kill off a villain at the end of a comic movie, but I feel like, especially now when we're getting into these greater uh, Marvel and DC universes, the idea could be, you know, well, if we let this guy survive, then he we have to keep in mind that he's going to be around for other movies. Yeah. Like, the idea that Loki came back in the, in the Thor uh, sequel... You know, they obviously wanted to play with him again, and I would think that he, I would say personally that he was the best part of that movie. Yeah, like he's obviously one character that they enjoy playing with, and yeah. I can't blame them. So, Spider-Man Two, just yeah, great movie. Alfred Molina, <laughs> excellent. Tobey Maguire, good. We got to see a bit more Spider-Man in that movie too, because that's the biggest problem with the Spider-Man movies is you like just nobody wants to see Peter Parker. Nobody wants to see the origin of the you know. With mm-hmm. great power comes great responsibility. Everybody know, like everybody knows this story. Show me the person who doesn't know that. That part exactly, of the and, and it was uh, we were kind of touching on this earlier. It's an, it was a um, another example outside of strictly the X Men where we could see the impact of being a superhero on the person's life too. Yeah, because he was missing dates with Mary Jane, and then he quits for a while because he is just not feeling it anymore and you know it's not his problem necessarily. That was the worst sequence of that movie even though it was it was so campy that I loved it but like yeah the the, the raindrops are falling on my head sequence of Spider-Man 2. Oh no, yeah, no question. So goofy. I mean I laughed. It was at the time I was like, "Oh, that's cute, but no, I don't want to ever see that scene again." <laughs> yeah, the only problem I have with Spider-Man 2, no uh, Randy Macho Man Savage. Well, he, he was in he made it in the first one, didn't make it. That's in the right, one. he did. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, he did. <laughs> So 2004 mirrors 2003 for Marvel mm-hmm. in the sense that they come out strong with one really, really good movie and then followed it up with not one, but two pieces of crap. Now, I always forget, but I think I know what one of the pieces of crap was for Odd 4. <laughs> Go ahead and guess. Uh, that would be the Fantastic Four, yeah? No, not yet. We're not at the Fantastic Four yet. Oh, no? Okay. Yeah, there's wow. still two more. Oh, that's right. We saw they that after up, the first year of college. The 1994, or sorry, the 2004, <laughs> they follow up Spider-Man 2 with the Punisher reboot. And I say reboot because we technically had a Dolph Lundgren yeah. 1989 Punisher. <laughs> um, awful. Terrible film. Um, never been a big fan of the Punisher as a character in the comic it was the books. the Tom Jane one, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, John Travolta played the bad guy. That's right. Um, it's just not even a poorly, not even a well-filmed movie, like filmed with a lot of, like they tried to do that thing where like, 
let's film it in like shadowy spaces and make it look dark and gritty. It's just not a good movie. Bad. I have it as bad. Yeah, I agree. I'm just never a fan of the Punisher as a concept. No, I mean, like, I like certain things I like about the Punisher. Like, Punisher has cool moments in the comic, and it's mostly because the Punisher does the Scott Evil thing where, you know, he'll be talking to, like, Captain America. Like, he did it in the Civil War thing where Captain America tried to bring in, like, certain villains from the Civil War, like, to join his side of the Civil War. And the Punisher was technically on his side. And when the Punisher saw the villains he was trying to bring in, Punisher immediately, like, he figuratively sticks to his guns and shoots Hmm. those villains right in the face Oh, because he don't side with villains. And his whole thing is he just does the Scott evil thing of, you know, I have a gun. If you shoot them, they won't come back, you know, (laughs) which is the essence of his character. Um, Marvel then finished up 2004, putting a bow on the blade franchise with the third right. Blade movie, Blade Trinity. And I didn't get Randy Macho Man Savage in Spider-Man 2, but we damn sure got Triple H <laughs> fighting Ryan Reynolds in oh Blade Trinity. Oh my god, yes, I forgot about that. Oh boy. I I do like this, uh, this trend of putting wrestlers into superhero movies, though. <laughs> Yeah. As a whole, I like the idea of it. <laughs> yeah, we, it's, if we if only we can get the Rockets as Captain Marvel or I'm Shazam. Up, my fingers are still crossed. Oh, maybe one day. But uh, Blade Trinity, Blade was an absolute sliding scale. Like they got they got a meh out of me for Blade, and they got a, they got a bad out of me for Blade Two. And I'm gonna have to go to the subcategory of capital B A D bad. <laughs> For 2004's Blade Trinity, and we're going to move on because that movie was terrible, and the less said about it, the better. Agreed. Moving on. But 2004 is not over because, if you can believe it, there was a movie worse than Blade Trinity that came out in 2004 as DC, seven year hiatus after Batman and Robin movie. They come back strong with Halle Berry's Catwoman. I guess I repressed that memory. God yeah, damn. That was that, that that was stunned silence there from the two of us after I said Halle Berry's cat. Yeah, that was like a full three seconds of dead air. Just <laughs> nothing. Like nothing. Top to bottom, nothing right about this movie. They didn't even get the character's name right. Like they didn't even call her Selena Kyle in that movie. She had some like awful name that I don't even remember. Hmm. And, I'm look this up now. <laughs> oh, very God. Yeah, they, they didn't even call her Selena Kyle. They got none of it. They didn't even get the outfit looking anything like like that that was never an outfit it was never seen before and it hasn't been seen since patience phillips patience just like that should tell you right that like yeah that (laughs) should tell you right then and there how good the movie's gonna be they named that character patience phillips sharon stone was in that yeah she was the main villain i never saw it pierce i mean it's only crazy (laughs) i i I didn't see it either but i I, for some reason i know that (laughs) Uh, well, like I, I've seen it. I haven't seen it front to back, but I've seen enough, <laughs> and I yep. knew that Sharon Stone was the was the back. So let's get out of two thousand four as quickly as possible and move into two thousand five. Mm-hmm. We don't start two thousand five off too well either because we get the Daredevil spinoff that nobody asked for. Jeff oh right, I forgot about that one. As Why would they do that? Why? Why? No idea. Just. Was Alias so, really big at the time? It must have been. I, I think she was... <laughs> 2005, maybe she was with... Uh, like, I think this is around the time that Affleck had, you know, was no longer with J-Lo. So Jennifer mm. Garner, I think, had a little bit of buzz. Like, Jennifer Garner can act. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to say she can't act. Oh, no, no, no. Don't get me wrong. Like, she's great in Juno and other, you know, such movies. But, like, this movie... Like, if you ask me which one I would rather watch, Catwoman or Electro, man, like I'd have to sit there and think about it because I would start crying. Yeah, they're just as bad. Like, the, this is another one of those movies. It's the same thing as um, the Daredevil movie, where the only good thing about it is that they got the costume right. Like they had Electra in the in the red with the bandana, and actually, I guess they didn't even do like the really really good version of Electra's comic in that or costume in hmm. that one. So. I, I don't know. I Just, take it back. Yeah, I take it back. Bad. Bad movie. <laughs> terrible. Everything. Top to bottom. Everyone involved. Even the Got sound it. guys. Boom mic operator. Terrible. <laughs> so then, boy. the next one is a movie that we saw in theaters together in college. And yep. I hate <laughs> this movie. I hate this franchise. It is my one of my least favorite 
franchises in comics, in TV, in media, any 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 medium. The Jessica Alba Fantastic Four in two thousand five. Yup. Just not good. But you know, like at least there was effort. I'll I'll say that. Like at least there, like like people made decisions. Mm-hmm. People made the wrong decisions for the most part, but like you know, like they they tried. Like there's effort in this film. There was no effort in Catwoman. There was no effort in Elektra. There was no effort in Blade Trinity. That that was just people cashing checks. They or at least attempting to establish something, and they attempt to give it the gravitas of the Fantastic Four with people, you know, joking around and having a good time, and you know, being in space for a little bit, and then fighting yep. Doctor Doom. I will call it a uh, lowercase bad, not yeah. a capital bad. No, um, yeah. It did give us uh, the first foray of Chris Evans into the superhero game. That's true. And he had a lot of fun making that movie, you can tell. Because yeah. it's one of the first times you see a hero who is happy to be a hero and thinks it's cool and wants to you know, play around with it. I'll get to my feelings on that later when we... Uh... <laughs> make our way to a much better comic book movie oh yeah absolutely um, no I, i'm just happy that this put him on the radar yeah uh you know that they, was good enough that, that's all that movie needed to do in my opinion <laughs> like they did they did some stuff like like they did some stuff I'll, I'll never understand i understand they they've got to try to the whole reason but like you don't buy jessica alba as sue storm because in this movie she looked like she was 21 years old Oh, yeah, that's right. Which was the whole point. Which, you know, was the point, because, you know, Jessica was not an unattractive woman. So sure. You this was her... the same year as um, Sin City, too, right? Yes. And I actually, that's a good segue, because I should have mentioned that in coming up with this list, I chose not to do any of the, the imprints. Image Dark Horse. Yeah, not, none of the imprints. So mm-hmm. movies that were kind of left off this list, like the Marvel imprints, like Kick-Ass and Kingsman, um, Right. Marvel technically owns Malibu, which did um, all the Men in Black. So, I was going to say, so yeah, we're not talking about Men in Black. So Men in Black 1, 2, 3 will be left mm-hmm. off this list. Uh, v for Vendetta, Constantine. Uh, right. Watchmen. Watch, actually, no, Watchmen is on this list because Watchmen is technically a oh, okay. DC property. So Watchmen is the one, if you're going to call BS on the list that I've made, Watchmen will probably <laughs> That's be cool. the one we'll that, go with it. that the four people who listen to this podcast will point to hey wait a minute yeah <laughs> i just insult those four people <laughs> yeah um yeah so i yeah i give fantastic four a a bad but 2005 wasn't all bad because 2005 dc finally gets back up on the horse and gets back up on the horse properly where they stayed there for about half a year mm-hmm. but they Decided, hey, we might disagree there, but we've got we'll the see. property of this <laughs> character, one of the most beloved comic book characters of all time. We destroyed him in 1997 with that Arnold Schwarzenegger garbage. But maybe if we put it in the hands of somebody who actually cares about the character, maybe we can get something out of it. And they get back up on the horse. They get they hand the reins over. Uh, second horse reference in the last ten seconds by me, <laughs> and they hand it over. To Chris Nolan, who gives us an excellent film in Batman Begins. Yep. Yeah. Capital G, good. Capital G, good. Very good. Um, top to bottom, Liam Neeson, great. Uh-huh. They Christian Bale comes in. I mean, you know, people hated the voice, but I didn't, you know. I, had no I liked idea. Christian Bale from uh, Equilibrium, so I was down. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, Bale was fantastic. He's definitely the best. Like, I don't think you could argue that any of the, you know, Val Kilmer's right, like like, like uh, Michael Keaton was all right, but I don't think you're going to find the person who's going to argue that Michael Keaton was a better Batman than Christian Bale in mm-hmm. those movies. And the thing that people point to, obviously, with him was the voice. But you know, well, sure, I don't, I, I don't mind the voice. Like other than the scene where he's like, "Where's the trigger? Where is it? You never give it to a normal <laughs> Like other than the "Where's the trigger?" nonsense, I. I and even then, I still quote, where's the trigger to this day? Oh, yeah, I do the, uh, I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Batman Begins, excellent film, you know, like, and introduce characters that, if you'd have told a younger Matt yep. Pierce mm-hmm. that we're going to see Rachel Ghoul, your favorite Batman villain, and the Scarecrow, another one of your favorite Batman villains, and it's not going to suck. And they're teaming up in a way that makes sense and is interesting. Yeah, and the movie will make sense. And even though it's a Chris Nolan movie, and it's going to ignore the you know the 
let's have three acts in a movie that, you know, has worked since Shakespearean times mm-hmm. and go with, you know, a fourth, fifth, and sometimes as much as a sixth <laughs> act if you get to The Dark Knight Rises. True, yeah. Um, great film. Just Yeah, just a great film. Everything about it was mm-hmm. great. I agree. So then we get... Yeah. Yeah, so then we get to 2006. 2006, bit of a step in the wrong direction for both Marvel and DC. Marvel comes out with X-Men The Last Stand. They decide, Brian Singer decides he's going to take off and do something and do the Superman Returns movie, which also came out in 2006. So, uh, so Brian Singer foregoes doing the the third X-Men movie, turns it over to Brett Ratner of the Rush Hour franchise fame. (laughs) Maybe you've heard of him. To let him do the X-Men The Last Stand movie. Terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I couldn't, I I couldn't even segue to you there on that one. It was just terrible. Go ahead. Real bad. I do enjoy, yeah, bad. Um, I did enjoy Kelsey Grammer as a beast. I thought that was a good cast. That was the, woefully underused. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but like, that was the one, because like, I like to point out what they got right in some of these like movies that I am, you know, pissing all over Mm -hmm. (laughs) in these podcasts. But the one thing they got right in that one was Kelsey Grammer, you know, looked excellent. Great cast, great voice for beast. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I hope they use him in the future. I mean, he came back for that one, you know, piece, that's right. Yeah. Scene in days of future past. So uh-huh. I hope they're planning on using him in future versions of beast. Um, but yeah, this one was just everything about it was terrible. Like, like Ratner gets a hold of it. He freaking kills off site. He kills Cyclops off screen in that film. <laughs> and yep. like, and I hate Cyclops. He's my least favorite of the X-Men, but at least he deserves guy, more than that. He deserves an on screen death at least. And then like, the Phoenix Saga, one of the most beloved plots in the history of the X Men, in the history of comics in general. That well, the, it had been built up from the from the end of the previous one too, so we were waiting for it. Yeah, because it was in the PS scene of the of, of X Two, and so we've mm-hmm. been waiting for it. And it was something that was so well done that they got it right in the animated series. Like the anime, like, like the animated series Phoenix Saga was bleeping excellent. And then we get mm-hmm. this spoiled douchebag Brett Ratner coming out with this nonsense where he depowers all of your char- all of your favorite X-Men characters and then <laughs> proceeds to destroy the franchise because like he has Professor X killed at least he was killed on screen but then he wasn't killed on screen because he like transported his mind into some guy in a coma's body and we, we have no idea how he did that oh right oh my god I forgot <laughs> just awful everything about it just like Brett Ratner, if you're listening, and I know you're not, screw you. <laughs> like, it's okay. He's richer than me. Um, yeah, he can take it, I'm sure. <laughs> so, segueing out of that. As quickly as possible. As quickly as possible. Very well said. Um, the man who gave up the reins of that third movie, who I mentioned earlier, uh, uh-huh. Brian Singer, films the Superman Returns movie, where he attempts to come back off of the old continuity of the Christopher Reeves Superman uh-huh. and have Superman come back. Which was an interesting choice. Very interesting choice and very poorly executed. I think it could have been done better, definitely. It's a bad movie. It's a bad movie. It's, it's not even a Superman movie. Like, Superman doesn't... I, I'm fairly certain Superman doesn't throw a punch in Superman Returns. So I have a soft spot in my heart for that movie. I can't defend it, but I have to give it at least a meh. You're giving it a meh? See, I'm giving this a strong bad. This is a terrible release. Because, like, Superman doesn't... He's not Superman in this movie. He runs around, like, basically staring. He's, like, Lois is, you know, like, getting in the shower, and he's staring at her through the window. Like, he's stalker Superman in this movie. He's not... Yeah, he is. No, I, I know I can't defend it. I just... I don't know. I got a soft spot in my heart for it. I think this was around the time that I started getting into Superman more as an idea anyway. You, like, you would lend me a bunch of comics and so forth, uh, as well as the animated series. Um, and as a result, I think that my perspective on it may end up being skewed. But I also enjoyed uh, Kevin Spacey as Luthor, which I thought was fun. Well, that's the one good part of that film, is, is Kevin Spacey. That For sure, and uh, I also totally bought um, 
uh, Brandon Routh as a person who is not quite human and hasn't been on Earth for a while he's, because he seems preternatural in all of his scenes. It seems like CW is going to uh, give him a third DC show. Like it's like it looks like they're going to spin off him into an Adam show off of Arrow. Oh really? Yeah, it's like like it, they. Oh, that's they, right. Yeah, because he shows up. I'm not sure if he was on Flash or something like that. I wasn't didn't get that far yet. Yeah, no, you haven't been or watching third Arrow. season. But spoiler alert: third mm-hmm. season of Arrow. He. Uh, no, I've heard about this. Yeah. Yeah, he's playing Ray Parker, um, the Atom, and mm-hmm. he built actually in the last episode because they're doing a, uh, a another hiatus for some reason. Like like new episodes of those shows don't start again until like the third week of March. Of course. So in the last episode, we saw and. Uh, the Atom turned into, like, he put on the Atom suit, and Uh I kind of hated it because it looked, he didn't, like, shrink or do anything with it. He flew off like he was um, Iron Man, (laughs) but in, like, the Judge Dredd colors, so (laughs) I didn't care for the costume that they they put him in. Especially when, like, again, spoiler alert, in, like, an episode, it shows him, like, he shows the schematics to the Felicity Smoke character, and it has the blue and the the, like the blue and the red uh, coloring of the atom, as it should suit, be, yes. that as it should be, and then when he actually like you know suits up, it was like black and red and looked like he was, you know, like he, he looked like Judge Dredd. It was terrible. Mm. All right, that seems like a good spot to put a pin in it. Uh, that's the end of part one. Uh, we'll be back next week with part two, and we still got a lot to get to. We haven't even entered the golden age, if you will, of comic books that begins in. 2008 but before we do that we're gonna have to slug through 2007 for a little bit so come back next week for part two of the good the bad and the meh comic book movie edition